The following production is part of the Play Some Video Games Podcast Network. Welcome to Board with Video Games, the gaming podcast that strives for the right balance of coverage for games you play on your table and on your television. You can think of us as the spring thaw and finding surprises of gaming podcasts. We're a proud member of the PSVG Podcast Network and thrilled to be part of the Dice Tower Network as well. I am one of your hosts, Kyle, and joining me on this co-op adventure, the guys whose spring surprises are always positive. Josh, how are you doing this evening? Well, before I answer that, spring surprises... Usually, when like there's no snow on the ground here now, yeah, there's no snow here either. Uh, but usually, spring surprises are bad because you find things underneath the snow that um, are bad. <laughs> yes, that is true, especially when you have two dogs. Uh, yeah. So, uh, luckily, my spring surprises hopefully this year will be more positive because uh, there's no snow, and I'm sure I just jinxed that, but that's okay. Uh, as I far know. as how I'm doing, um, oh, I'm. Uh, I'm doing all right. I'm hanging in there. <laughs> okay, that's that's good. Uh, Josh, it's really kind of interesting because I know it's not true for you, but it's true for me. We're recording right now, and the sun kind of just set for me. Oh, yeah. The sun set about an hour and a half ago for us. So that's pretty exciting, right? We have, you know, sun still, kind of, at night. Yeah, you know what's terrible about daylight savings time now? When What's you that? have a child whose sleep schedule is based on <laughs> just normalcy, not having to apparently let the farmers get up earlier or later to harvest their crops, right? <laughs> according to George W. Bush. <laughs> uh, so it's it's tough. We're going to be in about a week. We're gonna, it's going to take us about a week to get him back to his sleep schedule every time we have to jump forward or sorry, spring forward or fall behind. It takes about right. a week to get him back to normal. So, if there was a candidate who is running for office on the singular platform of abolishing daylight savings time, would you vote for them? I would listen to them, for sure. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know that I would vote for them. (laughs) I'm kind of surprised this hasn't become a bigger thing, where more people haven't said, why in the world are we still doing this? I constantly, people, you know, we have like a three or four days where people just complain about it constantly, right right around now, and then they never talk about it again. That's true. That's true. And, you know, it's not, I'm not going to lie. In fall, I kind of like playing video games for an extra hour and then going to bed so I can get the same amount of sleep. Like, I, think I we don't did that last mind year. that. Yeah, we did do yeah. that. So I don't mind that, but it is kind of ridiculous. And, and living in a state where agricultural agriculture is significant, yeah, I, I think even here, most people would be totally okay just getting rid of this. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Anyway, yeah. finger update, Josh. How's the finger doing? Um, It's not great. <laughs> okay but it's better is that the so, uh it's better um yeah that's all <laughs> the laceration has still not fully healed which is nice oh that stinks uh it still hurts to do things but um i decided to take the splint off i don't know if that was the right decision okay uh, it's sunday now friday was my first full day without the splint on and i felt pretty good about it uh mm-hmm. but today i had some issues that 
may or may not be related to me taking the splint off too early. So who knows? <laughs> who knows? I'm sure I'll have a follow up this week. I did buy a new wedding band. Oh, that's exciting. And I was able to slide it over that knuckle. But as that's we're, brave of you. Yeah, as we're talking now, well, I made the joke. If I go back to the same urgent care because I have to get a second ring cut off, what do I say to the people? Because <laughs> <laughs> I thought I was doing a nice thing for my wife by te- like showing her that I surprised her and got a new wedding band. Uh-huh. She's like, that's not for me. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> Clearly, I made a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or maybe, you know, put it on a chain or around your neck for a while just to make sure things were good. But hey, I appreciate the audacity of just going for it. That's great. Yeah, I, I mean, as we're talking, that. it definitely is tighter than it was this afternoon. So who knows what's going to happen? <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to hope that thing works out okay because that would be quite a story. And you know that the nurses and stuff in that ER are, would tell people that story. Like, okay, I know we're not supposed to talk about this, but this dude. Yeah. He, <laughs> twice he, loves, a week. he loves his wife so much. <laughs> He went and spent a bunch, a bunch more money on a wedding band that he didn't need to buy, <laughs> just to get it cut off again. <clears throat> yeah, that'd oh, be fun. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we'll go ahead. Obviously, listeners, thanks so much for joining us this week. We do truly appreciate it. As always, if you have any feedback, questions, or suggested topics, hit us up at Board with Fiji on Twitter, or check out all of the awesome stuff over on the Patreon. Not we're not the Patreon yet. I'm talking about Instagram. Instagram Board with Fiji <laughs> as well. We are a proud part of Play Some Video Games, and Play Some Video Games is on Patreon. They've done a little rework over there, so we are absolutely thrilled with the support you have given us there thus far. And if you'd like to monetarily support what we do, you can find us there at patreon.com slash PSVG. But the most important thing is just that you listen and maybe share the show with someone else who you think would enjoy it. We're also a member of the Dice Tower Podcast Network. So if you enjoy our conversations about board games and would like to dive deeper into that world, we encourage you to check out the Dice Tower Podcast as well as all of the other members of the network. No matter what type of board games you enjoy, there's a podcast on the network that is right for you. Thank you again to everyone who entered the Metaspring contest. The first game in that, Ori and the Will of the Wisps, is coming out. Uh, well, gosh, the day you're listening to this, actually, right? It comes out the 10th? Uh, 10th or 11th, I'm not sure. Yeah, so right around the day you're listening to this, the first game in the contest will be releasing. Uh, that is running all the way through the end of May. Uh, so thank you so much for those participating, and good luck. So enough of the housekeeping, Josh. This is a news week. So what on the world? What in the world is happening in tabletop? Hey, before we get to the news, I didn't ask you how are you doing. Oh, I'm good. I I don't. <laughs> I'm good for the most part. I'm I'm actually pretty under the weather. <laughs> I oh. don't feel very good at all. So yeah, I, I had contemplated being like, hey, Josh, we should really move this podcast recording to another night. But then I remember, Josh, you work second shift. Yeah, and then edit the podcast for Tuesday morning. So I was like, ah, I'll just, I'll just tough it out tonight. It'll be fine. So otherwise, I'm good. It was a very busy weekend. Uh, you know that whole first spring, really nice spring weekend was this weekend. Yeah. So it was pretty busy. A lot of you know general. I don't want to say yard work because it really was kind of like prepping for future yard work, but it was kind of just kind of cleaning up the mess of winter, basically, sure. uh, was what this weekend was. So like you, I hope that uh, things stay nice and that we can move forward. I don't have to worry about the potential winter weather, knock on wood. Uh, but, you know, so overall, it's not too shabby, not too shabby at all. I appreciate you asking. Well, I hope you feel better. Well, thanks. Me and too. I hope our listeners understand 
Kyle and I consistently podcast when we shouldn't because we just <laughs> like to podcast. True. We do. It's true. When we're not feeling well or we have injuries or <laughs> whatever the case. <laughs> uh, it's also going to be 70 here tomorrow. That's pretty crazy. Uh, I know. <laughs> for me to, to think of. So let's get right on from spring to well, maybe more spring surprises. Who knows? This is a good topic to start our spring surprises. CMON Expo or Come On Expo 2020 has been canceled due to, well, the headline says Corona fears, but I'm going to go ahead and say coronavirus fears. <laughs> as much as <laughs> I don't enjoy Corona, I'm not afraid of it. Uh, about 38% of the country is. <laughs> uh, That's true. <laughs> so this is uh, from Dice Tower News. So COVID-19 has uh, not only has it impacted CMON, but a couple of days after they canceled South by Southwest, which is like an $8 million revenue yeah. boost for Austin, Texas, which is insane. Right. Uh, but they didn't cancel the LA Marathon, which I thought I saw a lot of people online very upset about mm -hmm. because they showed like a clip of an old marathon where like thousands of people contracted the flu because they didn't cancel it. Right. So, well, and I, and, <laughs> And I don't, I guess I don't necessarily know that and maybe this is bad of me. I feel like if it hadn't been an Olympic year yeah. and if maybe if the Olympics had already canceled or postponed or done something that maybe they would have gotten rid of it. And I know that the Olympic mar marathon qualifiers have already happened, yeah. but as far as training goes and being able to run marathons in preparation for the Olympics, I, I genuinely wonder if that is part of the reason they didn't cancel. Yeah. Yeah. Who knows? I mean, I mean, it's so hard to make that decision right now because you don't oh, know, yeah. you don't know what is what what's what's hyped what is real what what you should be worried about like what is just uh panic and mania mm -hmm. um and, and i think this is a smart decision by simon mm -hmm. uh while c controversial either way whether they canceled it or didn't it would be controversial right. so yep definitely um you know, it kind of came in the wake of um, game developers' comment con uh, conference, um, not canceling but delaying itself. Right. And then we also had um, some fa Facebook and Google also had conferences that they canceled or closed, as they say. Right. Uh, so yeah, so uh, this is a quote from the people who organized uh, CMON Expo this year. We had a very difficult decision to make. The coronavirus pandemic, which I don't know that it is yet, is spreading at an alarming rate, which is arguable. And most governments are asking their citizens to refrain from big public gatherings. With a heavy heart, Come On has decided for the safety of our employees, smart, our guests, smart, and our attendees, smart, to cancel CMON Expo 2020. Um, I know that's a tough decision for them. Obviously, they're going to take a big hit financially. Um, as well as pretty much every um, vendor that has already like solidified plans or bought tickets mm -hmm. for flights and things like that. Um, you know, it's just tough. It's tough to say what is what. I don't want to sound light on it because like we, I, Massachusetts just doubled its cases overnight last night. Right. Um, and it was from a conference that everyone in Massachusetts contracted it. <laughs> um, there you go. So, and these are people in their 30s and 40s. This isn't the elderly thing, right? So, uh, I definitely understand why they did it. I'm not mad at them. I also didn't have a ticket, so that might have changed my opinion, uh, right? What's your take on this news, and how do you feel about it? 
Well, you know, and I don't think technically it's a pandemic yet. I think I think the World Health Organization is the one who makes that determination. Yeah, yeah, I, think so. I could be wrong, but I think that's true. <laughs> and I don't think that I think they've just called it a global health issue potentially or some other phrasing that they've used, but they specifically haven't said pandemic. But, you know, for something like this, I definitely I think there is better to be safe than sorry, right? Uh, in this situation, you know, if you had held it and something happens, kind of like you were talking about, like that is a that is a potential big deal. And the problem is, is it just takes time to know whether or not canceling is going to be the most appropriate thing, because obviously we don't know how things are going to look in three weeks or four weeks or five weeks from now. And if you're come on and you have a you have a financial interest in the space you have rented and maybe when you can cancel by how much money you get back from all of that. You kind of need to make a decision probably far earlier than you'd like to, right? Yeah. Because for a company of this size, it's not something where they can just stand to necessarily lose all of the money they would have to invest if they canceled the week before. Plus, then, if people maybe haven't made travel plans yet or something, they have the ability to not make them. You know, And it stinks if someone already was planning to go there and they've already booked a hotel, which that can probably cancel. But flights are hit and miss for canceling for sure. So, yeah, I, I think the sooner you can do it, the better. I do think it's interesting because in places like Seattle right now, um, a lot of big companies there, kind of like you were alluding to, are very much moving to work from home. Bungie, the latest one, Bungie's having everyone they can work from home if they want to. But I know uh, Microsoft and I think maybe even some Amazon folks are all now working from home rather than going into the office. Um, and just as an example, you know, the school that I work at has, you know, it's a university and they have canceled all uh school sponsored spring break trips no matter where they're going um and all of our study abroad programs for the summer have been canceled at this point wow. so because we just don't we're in the situation where as an institution there's a huge financial liability if we wait until may to cancel them right. and for those students who maybe needed that coursework in order to graduate or whatever we can't really wait until then. Like we have to make a plan for them now in the event that we had to cancel in May, you know? Yeah. So it's just way easier to cancel now. And I, I think some people say, oh, well, this is an overreaction. And sure, maybe maybe it is an overreaction. But if canceling these things allows for the coronavirus potentially to to minimize the effect as much as possible, right? Like if all these things went on, the spread might get worse and all these things would happen. And then everyone would be like, Oh, this was such a bad idea. But if you cancel all these things and then as a result, it helps contain it. Then everyone's like, Oh, it was an overreaction because it never got that bad. Right. So it's kind of one of those. Okay. Well, here we go. Uh, I think E3 is the big one. I'm still really interested to see what happens there. Yeah. Uh, so, and I obviously June's pretty far away, but it's only a month further away than uh come on expo was. So, yeah, I mean, you're right. Like, you have to be proactive to a certain degree because there's a lot that goes into planning something that is obviously right. mo more than just, like, you can't just wait for two weeks and cancel something because you have to start looking at, especially for E3, the size of displays and the money that, um, like, um, developers spend on their, um, uh, in, like, their displays and their, inter like, at, at um, right. PAX East, like, Harmonic set a giant, giant like stadium stage built for that new game they have coming out. So like, imagine how much that costs to manufacture and where that's coming right. from. So you know, there's all of that that happens, and and I will say, whether they're over exaggerating or not, if this thing is serious or not, 
it only gets better if people stop going public places if they don't have to. Right. Because that's just quite simply how it spreads. And <laughs> yeah. whether you have it or not, most people, I would imagine, don't even know that they have it. They are they're getting it from family and friends or conventions. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, I'm still waiting to hear, like, PAX East, like, spread, like... 3,000 cases well, of coronavirus. <laughs> well, that's the big thing, right? Because it takes, I think it's what, two weeks, two weeks yeah. you know, until you find out anything. And yeah, I, it, it'll be interesting. And, you know, depending on the different parts of the world, the cases are going up significantly. I've read some stuff recently that says China's cases are slowing yeah, or decreasing. Um, so that's good, you know, but also think about all the things that China did to try to help make that happen, right? Like, yeah, they literally they did have people go did. back to work. <laughs> oh, right, and what they didn't tell us that they did. But what we publicly know, yeah. they had people not go back to work, you know? So, um, yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting. And hopefully, hopefully, what will happen is with all these cancellations, Corona just kind of becomes the news of the past. Yes. It doesn't get any worse than it is, and then everyone will say we overreacted, because that, to me, is the quote-unquote best outcome, right? For sure, yeah. So that's what we want. Yeah. Yes. An overreaction is better than the possible <laughs> outcome. Right. <laughs> uh, okay. Moving on from virus scares uh, and not quite pandemics to, to a company who, well, this is probably their best news this week for them. Uh, <laughs> yeah, probably true. So Asmodee, uh, I'm going to use your words. Asmodee wants you to play its games digitally, uh, but it wants other people to make them. Uh, and I think that's the best possible thing they could do with their track record <laughs> in making digital adaptations to their games. Uh, so yeah. Asmodee has opened up access to its its entire um, intellectual property catalog. So it's over 250 games. Um, from games like Ticket to Ride and Small World, which already have digital games, mm -hmm. um, to Keyforge, uh, Legend of the Five Rings, and even Twilight Imperium, so they're they're asking developers to you know step up and help them uh, make some digital adaptations. I think that is going to be everywhere, anywhere from video game to app game. Um, yep. So I think a lot of them you'll see. Excuse me, on computer because that's like if they're going to build a in-depth like twilight imperium game i don't know that you'll be playing that on your phone but you could who knows um right there's a lot of good uh um, people out there making games but i feel like most of the people making digital games already have an affiliation with a studio right so like direwolf digital mm -hmm. like they have very specific games they work with so i'm very curious to see um how that works and how many of those companies Asmodee owns that they can kind of strong arm their way into the the development process of games. Right. Uh, if this is going to be hard and um, maybe like what they're like, if we get some stories on like how they are to develop for it, because I'm kind of curious as far as the control that they're going to let people have. Right. Um, is this, a, is this a, what do you think about this news? Are you looking forward to playing Asmodee digital games? And uh, how many do you play a lot of uh, board games on your phone still? I don't play a ton. I play some. I think the big thing I keep waiting for is some really good board games to hit uh, Apple Arcade because I'm still playing Apple Arcade. Not a ton, ton, but enough a month that I've kept my uh, subscription to it. And there really isn't, or at this point, a ton of digital board games on there. And I, w I would like there to be. 
my question for you, Josh, is that obviously, you know, they have said that this is you, you could make a digital adaptation of a board game or you could use these IP in other titles. Yeah. Do you have one of these you're more interested in? Like, what would you rather see companies do? And if you're a company, do you really want to come in and make a digital adaptation of a board game that already exists? Or are you more excited to take that IP and kind of paste it, if you would, into your game? Or if you have an idea to take that IP and make a different type of game that's cool? I mean, that's. I think that's more um, interesting to me is using the IPs for different projects because... Right. As much as I wouldn't mind playing, I, I want to use a game that's not already an app. And <laughs> uh, every game I'm looking at <laughs> is like an app. Uh, it would be cool to like play Magic Maze on an app, but I have that board game. I can play it now. If, if they were right. like, hey, we have this video game that's based on Magic mm-hmm. Maze. That's cool. But like the Munchkin game that came out was a was a big letdown. And that was just an right. adaptation from that license. So it really depends on, like, yeah, I mean, it's a great idea. And I think I would be cautious. I'm cautiously optimistic about that happening. It makes right. me think of, like, um, the, t- you know, two decades of um, comic book license video games and how terrible they mm-hmm. were. Oh, yeah. You know, so I I just worry about, like, Munch- like, if Munchkin Adventures is, like, the start of this ip to digital thing that's like a bad start but also if pandemic (laughs) the translation is was the start that would be a terrible start too because that was a terrible adaptation of that game and i and i I still worry that people who try that because like kevin austin was talking about on on psvg prime he's like i still need to play pandemic it's on game pass and i'm like screaming into my phone don't do it play the board game before you play the app right right um and i'm very worried about um trying to make keyforge um digital because that just sounds like a money pit yeah yeah well and i thought too because they have all those because wasn't there a thing with keyforge where the goal was that when you bought a deck you could scan the deck yeah, you like add it to your the- phone, but it just it all it does is show you the cards in in your decks. Yeah, right. if they made a way for you to be able to play the game with your right. pre-existing decks, that would be smart. Yeah, I don't. That's more, yeah. But I don't see them giving that away for free. But maybe <laughs> right. it'll help them sell more because they're on clearance everywhere now. Right, and maybe that's the way that you get additional decks is you go buy the actual physical ones and then you can scan them into the game. Yeah, that makes sense actually. You know, so. Uh, I, I do think this is kind of interesting, and I would tend to agree with you. I think them turning Asmodee IP into other games, I think, to me, is more exciting than just making digital versions of the board games. For instance, uh, I have, I can't, I'm blanking on the game right now, uh, but we were just talking earlier before the show. We were talking about uh, Chaos Bane. But what was the other Warhammer game that's the first person one? Uh, uh, Vermintide and Vermintide Yeah, Vermintide. Two. Yeah, but if you could you imagine like a Vermintide style game set in like the small world universe? Oh, for sure. You're like that would be super awesome, right? Like that style of a game, or even if, and just because I've been playing it recently, like the Division Two, but with a like if you had it set in like the pandemic universe, could totally work. Yes. You know, so obviously it's a very different game from what you are playing compared to the board game but the ip works in those worlds really well so i think there's a lot of cool things that they could do uh and there's a lot of board game worlds that are very very rich in if you think about a twilight imperium uh mass effect style game inspired by twilight imperium oh sure yeah 
yeah. you know, like there's so many things that people could do if they wanted to, if maybe they don't have the creative director who has the vision to make this game and and they're like oh we want to make this really deep space rpg well sweet here's this awesome ip that we can pull characters and races and classes and like all these things from that we have preset for you like we got this taken care of uh so that to me would be the more exciting thing is if they really start to push out um and do different types of games rather than just digital board game adaptations i agree with that actually cool okay moving on we have well, we have more news about people leaving places. So, yeah. uh, Brad Andres, or in, uh, yeah, I'm going to say Andres, um, posted on Twitter. He said, I, I have made the difficult decision to leave Fantasy Flight Games. I talk about it more in this video. There's a video on YouTube. Um, but he wants to thank everyone for their love and support. And he can't wait for what's coming next. He was a, uh, a game developer. Uh, he was the lead developer for Keyforge, um, and he's yep. been with Fantasy Flight Games for nine years. Um, and Fantasy Flight Games falls under the Asmodee umbrella. Um, they do. So I thought it was interesting that he announced this uh, not too long after we got the um, Plaid Hat news. Mm-hmm. Um, so and Isaac Vega as well. So it's pretty interesting. No one's saying anything negative about Asmodee or Fantasy Flight. Um, yet, and and I don't know that they will. I'm not trying to speculate that um, that's the case. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see if more people start leaving. Uh, it seems like people are trying to go more independent again. Right. Um, and maybe that's the case. Do you think this is remarkably notable? Do you think it's just kind of something that happens? Uh, or do you think, like me, where we're, I think we're seeing a lot more... Um, people leaving studios uh recently well i i do feel like it's starting to happen more and i also think you know brad doesn't have his name on a couple a ton of games as designer because he's a developer right it's a different position that he does within fantasy flight uh he is the designer though of legend of the five rings he also did warhammer Forty Thousand conquest uh so he is very versed you know obviously in them being the lead developer for keyforge in these tactical card games like he's very good at uh working on these and developing these and and helping them be become quality products uh you know legend of the five rings great really good game uh keyforge really good game and this is you know Corey konetska left also not all that that long ago maybe within the last year from fantasy flight so I, i feel like fantasy flight is kind of starting to lose some people obviously asmodee has lost the studio and all the people associated with that studio so it does seem like there there is a tide a-turning here. Um, you know, historically, I, and I don't know exactly what it is, but if you look historically, Fantasy Flight is not a place that people have raved about working at. Yeah. You know, they, they definitely have had some pretty strong criticism as far as pay, working hours, things like that. Um, so, you know, but they're also one of the few places where people can go and just design games all day. That's you know, true. there's not a there's not a ton of companies in the world that do that. Are there a lot of people who design games? Yes. Are there a lot of people who design games as their part time job and work other games do another job full time? Yes. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I, I I think this is a little worrying. Um, Fantasy Flight does seem to continue to put out a pretty good product, but I, I do wonder what the the future holds because they have definitely lost a couple, but seems to be pretty key people in the last year or so. Yeah. 
so it looks like his last project with Fantasy Flight will be uh, Keyforge Mass Mutation, which is the next set, mm-hmm. uh, which should be releasing. I'm going to guess this month, but it doesn't say. I'm going to guess this month. It asked me to log in, so I'm just going to wing it and make a guess. <laughs> uh, okay. Our final story is our worst story. <laughs> yep. So Asmodee has updated their return policy, and I don't know if we talked about this before. I definitely we read it before. Uh, a little while ago, They there was some this kind of leaked on the internet. Um, people don't like it, and I don't blame them. No. Uh, so Asmodee is removing the parts replacement program. Um, and if you go to BGG and you look up the this uh, customer service uh, thread, uh, the quote from their Q, uh, Q&A section or FAQ section, why are you removing the parts replacement program? And their answer is with the number of quality titles in Asmodee USA's growing library, maintaining an independent stock of elements of each game becomes more difficult. We believe offering the customer service through the store they have purchased the game will be from will be a better experience. Now, I don't this is one of the most tone deaf answers I've ever read in my life. Can you imagine <laughs> going to Barnes and Noble and buying a board game and it's missing three pieces? That's it. Three pieces. Mm-hmm. They're Asmodee doesn't even want them to just give you a new box. They want the store to go through the retailer return policy through Asmodee, which means they contact Asmodee and say, I have a customer, I have a customer who's missing parts. Can we get this or that? And then they'll do the whole thing like retail does. They'll either give them credit for the game or they're going to expect the retailer to eat that up. I don't know what their plan is around that. But it's crazy. Right. <laughs> I, I We got Quacks of Quedlinburg, right? And we bought it at um, PAX Unplugged from North Star Games. We didn't open it for like a month. And then we opened it and realized we were missing three components for a single mm-hmm. player board, which, sure, we could probably find something in the house to, to like fit in for it, fill in for it. But you pay money for the product. You want the product. So right. I, I just email North Star Games and they sent me the pieces. No question. What pieces do you need? Can I see a picture? Done. Okay, here you go. That's not going right. to be the case anymore with Asmodee products. So I'm going to read you their FAQ, some of their FAQs, and then and then uh, feel free to jump in at any point. So the first question, I bought my game at a local game or toy store. What do I do if it is missing a component or is damaged? Their answer. Return to the store where you originally purchased the game with proof of purchase, and they will be able to request a replacement copy of the game from Asmodee USA or their distributor. When they receive it, you'll be able to exchange your defective copy for the new one, subject to availability and store policy. For issues unrelated to missing or damaged components, your store's regular return policy will apply. <laughs> can you imagine buying a game and maybe having to wait three weeks before you can play it? Three weeks? Think about some of the, and granted. Or if it's from China, mm, six months. Yeah, right. Now, yeah, exactly. <laughs> if it's that print runs up, like you might, it might be six months or more. They might just never make any more of the game. It's really, 
crazy. Okay, I bought my game at big a big box store slash website, Target, Walmart, Amazon. What do I do if it's missing a component or is damaged? Their answer, return the whole game to the store and follow their return policy. Generally, you'll be able to exchange a copy and receive a refund, depending on the issue and their inventory, as long as you have original proof of purchase. Kyle, how many games do you have on your shelf that are unopened? Uh, a lot. Probably 30 plus. You think Target would take one of those back now? No. <laughs> okay, I don't think so either. Uh, uh, question. I bought my game on Asmodee USA, Fantasy Flight Games, or Z-Man Web Store. What do I do if it's missing a component or is damaged? Please visit the web store where you originally made the purchase and locate the customer service section for further assistance with your issue. There's no answer. Right. <laughs> uh, when, when I bought my copy from a friend or an online consumer to consumer market. What do I do if it's missing a component or is damaged? Well, we encourage you to make sure that all components of a game are present and intact before purchasing a game secondhand. Unfortunately, we cannot offer replacement products that were not purchased directly. So if you buy a sealed game from somebody <laughs> on like a BGG auction site yep. or from a friend and it's missing something, Asmodee is not going to help you out. <laughs> right. It's crazy. Uh, I don't know. What, what's your take on this? Because all this does is make me angry. <laughs> So, and here's the thing. This came out quite a while ago, but I didn't want to talk about it or I hadn't put it into the, as a story yet. Cause I, I, there was so much, people weren't exactly sure how this was going to work or if this was going to work or what the deal was. So I think this sometime end of February is when this came out. And then I was like, okay, well, we'll talk about it in a few weeks. And this seems just bad. And I think one thing that is interesting where it does make a little bit of sense um, is uh, Jamie over at Stonemeyer Games wrote a blog post about replacement parts. Yeah. And I don't, have you had a chance to read it? I haven't read it yet. I didn't okay, see it. So he, yeah, he wrote a post about a blog post about replacement parts. And in it, he says, quote, granted, I sympathize with Asmodee. Basically, he's saying, heck no, he would never adopt this policy. But then he says, quote, granted, I sympathize with Asmodee. We only have nine games. And in 2019, Stonemeyer Games spent over $43,000 to ship replacement parts. Shipping fees and personnel compensation. Asmodee has over 1,500 products. The sheer amount of resources, not just money, they've probably devoted to replacement parts is in the past is staggering. So I get it, right? That to me, I, I totally understand of how in the world do you manage having 1,500 products and if someone bought a copy of X game from two years ago and they're missing one card from the 350 cards that yeah. are in the box and they have 349 and they just need the one, how in the world do you probably have that one card, right? Like, I, I get it. Yeah, that makes sense. On one, on one hand. On the other hand, this is also part and parcel of your business. This is you decided to manufacture and sell board games, granted. They work with Panda for manufacturing, but you get what I right. mean, right? Like this is this is part of your business. Now, it is interesting because if you go on Board Game Geek or the Board Game subreddit or any of those things, most people 
have not had good experiences with this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's a few people who have gotten literally like, hey, I was missing a meeple or four in my game and have gotten an entirely brand new game shipped to them. So now they basically have two copies of the game with four missing four meeples. Total. Yeah. Like, you know, where you could go buy a bag of meeples from probably your locally friendly game store and not have like two complete games for the price of one. Right. Yeah. So there it just seems odd it seems like this is a really weird odd way to take play take care of this and it seems like it is really taking a lot of pressure off asmodee and now putting it on like the retailers which really isn't very fair right how often do you buy something and when you open it up it's like hey if you have a problem with this do not return it to the retailer call us yeah and they are doing the exact opposite of that and the retailers can just tell you no right they don't have to follow asmodee's return policy they have their right. own yep i just so i just don't understand like for stonemeyer that's a lot of uh, manufacturing mistakes if they're spending that much money in a year on nine games but it actually because it's they have a um he actually talks about this um they have a guarantee in their contracts with panda their manufacturer of what the error percentage can be sure that's allowable and if it goes over that uh panda covers the cost okay but i think that this was all within the error in their error thing yeah because yeah. he also did a 2019 uh jamie did a 2019 behind the scenes stakeholder report which i didn't put in the news but i was going to um, and he talks about like they had twelve point eight million dollars in revenue in twenty nineteen. Wow! So if you think about forty three thousand dollars of parts, that's like okay, uh, you're like okay, so that probably does fit within your error mark. And yeah. granted, that's revenue, not profit. That's revenue, different thing. Oh, but yeah. yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so if you think about that, um, obviously, you know, the forty three thousand dollars for replacement parts is still a lot of money. But I think more than anything, it's the time, right? Like how much time must it take? to package all that stuff and send it out and find the pieces to send out. Yeah. I mean, maybe why not manufacture extra of all your parts? Right. It can't cost that much more. And I'm saying this being super uh, ignorant about how much it costs. But if you're doing a print where Panda's printing, um, because I would imagine they don't assemble each game piecemeal. So they print like, Hey, we're gonna assemble a hundred copies of Small World. Let's print a thousand meeples and then sort them. Like print fifteen hundred meeples. Put send five hundred to customer service, where where your customers are calling you or emailing you. Um, I would imagine like when I my Quacks pieces, they were three small yellow tokens that they were able to just send me. So they must have them in bins at least for right. Nordstar games, like to be able to send that out because they're not sending me a whole new game of Quacks because I'm missing like small pieces. Right, right, um, right. Even like USAapply sent me, I just quest- asked them a question about promo cards for Thanos Rising and they sent me a whole set of of cards that they just had from an email. Like there's people out there that are doing it Mm-hmm. Right. So I'm just, I'm curious, and I understand Asmodee is so huge, but I'm just curious why, like, Z Man can't have their own customer right. service person who has a, <clears throat> a, you know, a filing cabinet full of replacement parts. Um, because you don't have to encompass the whole Asmodee catalog. You just have to cover what game Z Man does. Well, and if you think about it too, like, they print, like, Z, they print, some of their games they print are legacy games, right? Yeah, you so have to how have do you extras. necessarily yeah, right 
because how do you know if like oh i opened a box and there's supposed to be something in here but i don't know what was supposed to be in there so how do i get the replacement for it well then you have and an experience I, like that with the missing thing in a legacy I, game I, I yes i did but yeah. that was a different manufacturer but still but <laughs> but then you have to wait like how long and then they're going to send you an entire game of it yeah you know it just it's just very odd uh, i did find the thing that jamie talked about he said that uh his their contracts with panda they agree to a potential error rate of one to two percent um and then someone asked oh how do you verify like what the error rate is and then it came became well well it gets obviously it's reported error rate right like it has to be like someone more than this something percent. right so he's like, because there's really no other way to verify, but that they have never had an error rate that has broken their contract, basically, with Panda. Yeah, that's interesting. So. I mean, for me, it just it comes down to if I can be like, uh, just I don't want this isn't when I say it negatively, if I can be an ignorant consumer for this, if I buy a mm-hmm. game, I expect it to come with everything I'm paying for. No questions. Right. And this return policy is not favorable to the consumer. Right. Well, and I, I know I, I know mistakes happen, but like yeah. you don't want to be that person who the mistake happens to, and if it, it does happen to you, you want to be taken care of. Right. And I think you know I know not everyone is like we obviously are huge fans of Stonemaier games here. Yeah. Um. You know, and I think that even like Jamie's response to somebody it was, I think, kind of set the tone for it because someone asked the question of like. Hey, I understand the free replacement if my game comes with a broken or missing part, but if I lose a piece or if my dog chews one up, I'd be more than happy to pay for it as well as the shipping. And his response was like, hey, we're animal lovers at Stonemeyer, so if your dog chews up one of your, our tokens, we're happy to help you out. That's very nice of him. You that's know, and like that, crazy. <laughs> right, exactly. But like, you know, and that's just such a different view of like what, what uh, two different companies are doing. Granted, one of them is a company with two employees run out of somebody's house. Right. You know, versus one that has 1,500 products. So. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. But Oh, yes. Asthma day. <laughs> so, yeah. So, that's all the board gaming news. Hooray. Ending on a positive note. <laughs> Indeed. All right. So, we'll move on to the gaming news that involves things on our television screens and computer monitors. And in the future, I guess, really, television screens. Uh, it has been announced, and this was kind of everywhere, but Naughty Dog's The Last of Us, Josh, yeah. is getting a live-action adaptation courtesy of HBO. Yes, home box office itself, looking at bringing The Last of Us to their small screen. Uh, being The things that are really interesting about this, number one, uh, Neil Druckmann is still involved, which I don't think has ever happened. I'm not aware, at least, of any real video game adaptation into movie that has had basically the person who wrote the video game involved still? Mm, uh, you might be right. Although I have a sneaking suspicion Ed Boon was involved with the Mortal Kombat movie. Oh, that could be right. But, but I think well you're right for right. the most part. And, and I could be wrong yeah. as far as he might have just been there. He might not right. have had any creative control over it. Yeah. But at least it's very rare that that happens. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. So this is being developed by HBO in conjunction with um, Sony Pictures and PlayStation Productions are all co-producing um and it is also being done and being headed up by chernobyl showrunner craig mazin who i feel like you know if you look at his early work the fact that he made chernobyl is still kind of amazing to me um because he did the scary (laughs) movies and things like that but uh you know chernobyl 
when you think about that and then you say, hey, the dude who made Chernobyl is going to make The Last of Us, it seems like a pretty good fit, right? Yeah, it's like the perfect fit. For, for so, sure. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that is pretty interesting. Uh, Naughty Dog president Evan Wells uh, and the Game of Thrones and Deadwood producer Carolyn Strauss are on board to pr- um, produce alongside Neil Druckmann. Josh, when you heard this news, what were your thoughts? I know you haven't finished The Last of Us or never really played much of the original Last of Us. But when you heard this, what would you think? Um, it makes It's perfect for a TV series, right? It really There's no is. way this could be successful. Well, I shouldn't say it couldn't be successful as a film, but I th- feel like it would be. It would have a lot of odds stacked up against it to try to make The Last of Us a, a movie, where everything we see now is so much more successful as a TV series. Especially like, if you look at how good Watchmen did, and and we know that HBO trusts its creators because it's only going to be one season because they didn't want to make more. So they're not mm-hmm. being pushed. So like Last of Us can be what they want it to be. You know, HBO has a tradition of letting creatives be creative and not force them to tell a story they don't want to tell or make it go on longer than they want to. Um, I'm looking up. There was a movie called The Girl with All the Gifts um, that was like essentially it, it looked exactly like The Last of Us. Yeah. Um, and I actually enjoyed it a lot, but I was just curious who the director was um, because it seemed like when you said, like, um, is that a good fit? Like Chernobyl, the writer and in that working together, it is. But like I pictured this movie being like the perfect add on. Like, yeah. Uh, it looks that. like Calma McCarthy directed yeah. The Girl with All the Gifts. Yep. 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 Oh, and he's done some Peaky Blinders, some Sherlock. So unrelated, I guess. I was just, I was really taking a shot in the dark that there was a a, a crossover between this movie and that. Um, but yeah, um, it makes perfect sense. It should be um, great. I have no like worry that it wouldn't be. Um, I only played, I don't know, I played like six hours of The Last of Us. And I think this will be the way I prefer to to enjoy it (laughs) (laughs) gotcha uh how do you feel and i know you know the they have said basically that it is going to be joe and ellie's story is what they're going to do yeah um and i know when we have talked in the past we did an episode of you know what we would want um from when i think they i think this was when they first announced playstation productions being a thing yeah um i said that i wanted a television show set in the last of us universe but i did not want it to follow joe and ellie i wanted it to follow like just the members of the Fireflies or something like that. Uh, how do you feel about it following, you know, the story of characters we already know? Do you think that's okay? Do, do, would you want different characters or different stories being told? What are your thoughts on that? I'm okay with it as a person who didn't fully play the game. Um, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I can imagine how hard that's going to be for uh, diehards because you have yeah. already associated these characters with voice actors and a specific look. Um, but it's kind of like when the walking dead came out, right? I had read the graphic novel, uh, like I think a hundred issues of it. Mm-hmm. And for the most part, they nailed how everyone looked. Right. Um, but even with the walking dead, the subtle differences in the story, mm-hmm. the internet was on fire, right? Over right. small, small things. Um, so you're still going to have that. Uh, the problem is, 
we just need to try to get away from this toxic environment and enjoy it for what it is. Uh, right. And I understand how that can be hard, right? If they made a Horizon Zero Dawn show and, and it, I didn't feel like they cast it properly or something was off, you know, it would probably bug me too. But, um, you know, I'm not going to try to get people fired off of the show because of it. But uh, right. um, uh, that's probably what's going to happen anyways. Uh, I think on the flip side, though, they probably weighed it out and... Like if Neil Druckmann's part of this, he probably was like, "Do we do a Firefly story? Do we do Joel and Ellie? Do we do different people?" Right. Like I'm sure they went back and forth with that. And ultimately, the smartest decision for them is to have characters people are already familiar with to get right. people to watch it. Oh, for sure, for sure. And I mean, there's a ton of things they can do, right? Because you know, if you've played the vi- the first video game, obviously. Uh, between the time we're first introduced to Joel as a character and the time between when Joel and Ellie meet one another, there's a lot of time that passes. Yeah. So there's a lot of different things that could be done. There's DLC that could be addressed. There's a lot of stories, even involving those characters we don't know about yet. Uh, so it could easily, they could follow the first game. They could do a lot of things leading up to the first game and then them, you know, kind of ending season one where the first game kicks off would be a really easy thing to do. Uh, so there's a lot they could do there. Have you looked at any of the casting things that people have come up with? Yeah, I shared one that I thought was good. Um, I've seen it all over Twitter. People like trying to cast the best people for it. Right. It is very interesting. Uh, I think the one that right now is definitely, I think, has most people that uh, excited is Nikolai Coster-Waldo and, and Caitlin Deaver. That's the one like, I shared, yeah. Yeah, and you know, I did you play? You played uh, Uncharted Four, right? Yes, all the way to the end. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, you know. Yeah. Yeah, and I okay. Potential spoilers, I guess, for the end of Uncharted Four for the next few minutes here, because uh, you know that Caitlin Deaver does the voice of the daughter, right? Oh, I didn't know that. No, no. Yeah, she's yeah, she's the daughter. Because I feel like at... did that come out after Justified? Because I know her from Justified. Um, I, time is. I feel like it came out before Justified, so yeah, I wouldn't have known her all... yet. Because she's also in Last Man Standing. Yes. I, I, yeah. Yeah. Sorry, Tamalan. Yeah. I won't watch your show. No, it's okay. <laughs> and then obviously in Booksmart, where she's brilliant. Mm-hmm. Um, and, she, and she's a fantastic, fa- fabulous actress. But I I just think it's funny, kind of like, you know, DC and Marvel people like crossing over. Yeah. Um, since she has already been in a Naughty Dog game. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. I just thought that was an interesting little fun fact. So cool. Anyway, Last of Us coming to the small screen. Honestly, if it's going to go anywhere, I think that is about the best place for it to go. Uh, moving on to some things that we have done an entire episode on. Uh, the American Psychological Association uh, has come out warning against linking violent video games to real world violence. Uh, the story is specifically from Ars Technica, um, but the APA has come out and said links to increased aggression, which video games have been linked to, are not the same as lethal violence. Um, so I think it is interesting. Like I said, there is a story on Ars Technica. You can read about this. But basically what their resolution basically says now is, quote, the following resolution should not be misinterpreted or misused by attributing violence, such as mass shootings, to violent video game use. Violence is a complex social problem that likely stems from many factors that warrant attention from researchers, policymakers, and the public. Attributing violence to video game, game to video gaming is not scientifically sound and draws attention away from other factors. So, Josh, with the American Psychological Association coming out with this statement, that means we're done talking about this, right? <laughs> yeah, until someone in a political office uh, says something stupid again, and then we have to revisit this topic. And I'm sure that 
it's going to happen this, the next violent thing that happens. It will, of course, right. be related back to video games. Right. And I, I you know, I'm not going to lie. When I read through this article and I read through the stuff that the APA said, part of my heart was a little happy that you and I, in our conversation that we did really early in Board of Video Games, I feel like it was in the first 20 episodes. We did the episode that was all just about violence in games. We had something happen, uh, I think, in the real world is why we brought it up. Yeah, too. and it's one of the things of, like, it could have been so many different things that could have been it that I don't remember which situation it was, which is both sad in so many ways. Uh, but we very much talked about this particular thing that, yes, there is a lot of research that shows a link to aggression, but that is not the same thing. And that it is very different things and that people are misusing research to support their points. So hopefully now this very, very clear statement from the APA yeah. is will help reduce the chances of that happening. Though I think, like typically you said, I, I don't think it's going to mean much, unfortunately, in the long run. Uh, yeah, I suspect most people in charge of running this country don't even know what the APA is. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, just thought that was an interesting note. So dear listener, if you ever are in a conversation with someone, uh, there's some information you can go look up um, to kind of support your point. And I think it's important that, though, we recognize that that doesn't mean that video games can't have uh, negative effects on people. They can, uh, but just maybe not in the ways that uh, we're being blamed in the media. All right, next news story. Josh, we talked a little bit about, you know, come on, canceling uh, their expo. And, you know, the, we brought up whether or not E3 is going to continue to happen. Hmm. E3 has come out and said that they it is planning to still happen, that they're they're still working on it. Well, part of it's going to be worked on by someone else, at least, because I am 8-Bit is no longer the creative director for the E3 floor experience. So as you may know, uh, E3 is trying to kind of change some things up. They have been talking about how they're going more consumer-facing and they're wanting to change the floor experiences and have activations and whatever other those fancy industry terms are for marketing and stuff. Uh, and they were working with I Am 8-Bit to make some floor experiences. Uh, but I Am 8-Bit on Twitter said, It's with mixed emotions that I Am 8-Bit has decided to resign as creative directors of what was to be an evolutionary hashtag E3 2020 floor experience. We've produced hundreds of gaming and community events, and it was a dream to be involved with E3. We wish the organizers the best of luck. Uh, E3 came out and said, yep. The ESA came out and said, yeah, it's unfortunate. That's not We're not working with them anymore. Uh, but it was really fun to work while it lasted. What does this mean, Josh, for the future of the E3 floor experience, the future of E3? Is it still going to happen? What's going on, sir? So you could be like me and not even know that I Am 8-Bit was the creative director for E3. Uh, and and I don't think that that matters because this it could they could have said anyone is no longer the creative director for the E3 floor experience. And that's big news no matter who it was. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, that's not good. They're they're right. they're leaving for a reason that we don't yet know, um, but there hasn't been any positive news for E3 in the past six months. Everything has correct. been negative or bad, um, yeah, or unfortunate, whatever you want, however you want to look at it. So, yeah, I mean, so what now? I don't know. Uh, more people leave, drop out of E3. I think that's what is next, um, and then ultimately, you know. Uh, maybe this is E3's best time to use coronavirus as an excuse to cancel E3 uh, because it's not looking good for them. Right. No, it, it definitely is not looking good for them. And I, I feel like almost now that they're saying, oh, yeah, this is going to happen almost out of 
just being stubborn about it. Yeah, maybe. You know, and I, I don't know if it's going to be best for them. I know that they probably as an as the body that um, you know, does lobbying in Washington DC for video games. I'm sure that this is a good money maker for them, that they make a lot of their probably budget each year from this. Um, because obviously the members, the the companies that are members of ESA, I'm sure also have to pay some sort of membership dues. Uh, but I'm sure this probably is a good member uh, moneymaker for them. So maybe they maybe they literally maybe it might I don't want to say end them, but maybe them not doing it would be so detrimental that they kind of have to. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. No, I, so, I get it. Yeah. So, yeah. But anyway, so it'll be interesting to see what happens next, kind of where they go with that. But uh, I am a bit no longer doing the floor, the floor experience at E3. Uh, one company who is making some moves though, and maybe we'll be at E3. I guess we don't know for certain. Uh, Google has stepped up and expanded their internal studios team. And one person they brought on to run a new studio is none other than Shannon Studstill, who was the former director of Sony Santa Monica. Uh, Google has been poaching a lot of talent from places. A lot of talent from places. Uh, And obviously, uh, Santa Monica Studio recently, you know, or I guess a little over a couple years ago at this point now, released God of War. Huge game, very successful game. Uh, Shannon had been at the studio for a number of years. um, And she's now gone working with Jade Raymond um, over at Google. So some pretty big names there. And then Yumi Yang um, has been named the new head of Sony Santa Monica Studio. If you watch the Raising Kratos documentary, um, you will definitely see Yumi a lot uh, in that, and, and she kind of is the project. She was in project management before, so really she was the person who <laughs> made sure the game got done. Yeah. So it seems like, and she's been there for almost twenty years. So it seems like a good um, transition there to have her in that space. Um, but losing Shannon Sudstill, that's big for PlayStation. That's big for that studio, and that's also a big get for Google. Uh, you know. Stadia has been pretty quiet this year, it seems, right? I don't feel like we've gotten a lot of news from Google about it. Uh, what do you think, Josh? Is is Google making studios for a game platform that's not going to exist? What's going on here? Uh, hey, you know, first I'll say good for Yumi Yang. Oh, uh, and then I'm going to say it. I don't know why anyone would leave anywhere to go to Google Stadia right now. This is... This might be the worst launch for a con quote unquote console that i can remember worse than the jaguar i think uh it has been handled so poorly as a stadia founding member i can confidently say this <laughs> there's been no communication from google to members or the people who aren't members they're adding they're like we just added three new games steam world quest Steam World Dig and Steam World Dig Two. I'm like, oh, cool! I can't. I'm so happy that people are paying you ten dollars a month so they can play Steam World Dig in 4K. Uh, they are not delivering on their promises. I don't understand how it's possible they're going to release a hundred games this year. Um, when they do release a Google Stadia exclusive, it is. Uh, it, it, my phone just turned on because I said Google. Um, it's, it feels more like a Homestar game than anything else. Like it doesn't feel like a full game. It feels like a flash game. Mm -hmm. Um, they're, they're just putting the Turing test on there. Like a game that I was on PC, what, eight years ago almost or something like that. Right. Uh, 
I just, I don't understand what they're doing. And I don't understand what they're doing because they're not telling anyone what they're doing. Right. <laughs> I can't even tell you how Google plans on, technically they're still on a soft launch. According to Google, yeah. it hasn't even launched. Right. But they're giving Stadia away when you sign up for phone plans. Like, how are you giving something away that isn't out yet? <laughs> like, get your stuff together, man. Like, I don't, I just don't understand why anyone would not, not even, like, why would you leave so Sony Santa Monica in God of War to go to Stadia? They must... I mean, Google has a lot of money, right? So if yeah, that's they what do. they're doing, they're just paying people money. Yeah, they do. And they're hoping that these people will bring them, um, I don't know, Jade Raymond said that they're not disclosing what Shannon's doing yet, but um, if they're hoping for new original games, that's years out. It's not like you're right. not bringing Shannon in and having her pop out a game this year. Oh, for sure. So I don't really know what they're doing. It doesn't make any sense to me. So I'm happy for Yumi Yang because she is now the head of Sony Santa Monica, and that's probably something she's wanted for a long time. Yeah, no, it's very exciting for her. Uh, and you know, like I said, Shannon has been at Sony Santa Monica for a very long time. If you watch the again the Raising Raising Kratos documentary, um, I I think that Shannon's probably very proud of everything they've done there. But I also very much feel like I could see her being ready for a change. Right. Yeah. That company has she has been through some significant ups and downs. Uh, there's there's one part of the documentary that I was really surprised, basically, if they left in, um, that they basically asked the question of, like, are the sacrifices worth it? And she's like, I don't want to talk about it. Yeah. You know, like, she clearly has given her blood, sweat, and tears for that company and for PlayStation. And I, I can see that even if you love the people you work with and what you've done, sometimes the idea of, like, you know what? You can come here. You don't have to. The pressure is different. Like, we don't even know what we want. So come on and we'll figure it out together, right? Like, and the chance to work with Jade Raymond probably would be a really cool option, right? Yeah. So, you know, hopefully that all works out. Hopefully everything goes positive for them. Um, hopefully this is a nice, cool, fresh start for Shannon. Um, and congratulations to Yumi. That's awesome. You know, like you said, she's been there a long time. Um, and and hopefully this is going to be. Uh, I was really nervous when I saw that Shannon left, but then when I saw that Yumi Yang took over the role, I said, okay, I feel pretty good about this because she seems pretty cool. So, uh, final little uh, part of news, uh, Ghost of Tsushima, that other big PlayStation exclusive that was still going to be a PS4 game, seems like it's still going to be a PS4 game because they got a release June 26th uh, is when we're going to be playing Sucker Punch's Ghost of Tsushima, supposedly. Uh, let's see, maybe in a week it'll get delayed three months. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Josh, you know, 2020 is shaping up to be pretty ridiculous. When you think of all of the games coming out this year, and we haven't really, we're going to hit the ground running really soon here, right? Because Animal Crossing and Doom Eternal are right around the corner. Yeah. Um, and actually, Ori also, like today, basically. What are you thinking? Are you excited? Where are you for your hype or desire to play Ghost of Tsushima? I mean, it looks really cool. Um, I haven't put a lot of um, time into looking at the game, though, so uh, you, I'm I'm more on the... When they when I start to see some of the like the gameplay when the hype starts coming out for the game, that's where mm-hmm. I'll, I'll probably I'll probably pay more attention uh, to it. But I mean, it looks real pretty when we saw the E three stuff, so it looks yeah. cool to me. Yeah, you want to want to know a secret? Uh, everything we saw was not in game footage. No, that's not the secret. At oh, all. that's obvious. <laughs> what do you mean? I'm it's kidding. obvious. I'm kidding. I'm just giving you. Man, always, always <laughs> with the always on the hate train. Just riling uh, me up. <laughs> <laughs> no, I. 
Don't tell anyone. Uh-oh. It's just between you and I. You're in it. I'm actually more I'm actually more excited for this game than I am the Last of Us Part Two. Um uh, that that doesn't make sense. That's fine. I'm just letting you know. It's because Last of Us is not a good game, right? No, it's because I enjoy The Last of Us, <laughs> but I very <laughs> The Last of Us is like the to me the perfect example of a game that I really enjoyed playing and I've played through it a couple times. I don't know if I can ever say I'm having fun while I'm playing that game though. <laughs> okay. You know, like it's just one of those games where it, I'm stressed the entire time and it's very serious all a lot of the time. There's a few moments of levity in there which are good, but I don't know that I'm having a lot of fun while I'm playing The Last of Us and I don't know that I'm going to have a lot of fun when I'm playing Ghost of Tsushima. But I am very confident that I'm not going to have fun playing The Last of Us Part Two. Is Ghost so, a Souls game? I we don't know. Okay, we don't know. We, right. we have seen very very little gameplay. But I do. I and I really like Infamous. I like the Infamous series a lot. I actually really like the Sly Cooper series a lot. Yeah. Um. So Sucker Punch has done a lot of games that to me have just been very fun. This does look quite a bit more serious. But um, I'm very. I have a lot of anticipation um for this game. Um, more because I think I don't know as much about it. Where Obviously, the story of The Last of Us Part Two, we don't know exactly what's going to happen there. Yeah. But I, I feel strongly confident that we generally have a good idea of how the game is going to feel. Um, so henceforth, my I'm got a lot of excitement. I'm I'm hyped for this game, and I thought it was going to be August September. So the fact that it's coming out in June, um, I'm pretty stoked about. Which also means probably it was supposed to be like May, but then they pushed The Last of Us, so now it's June. So yeah. All right, so that's enough of the video game news. We're going to move on to our topic of the show, which is still video game focused. So sorry, board game listener. We're going to stick with video games for a bit here. And this is something that really doesn't have too much crossover with board games. Uh, But, you know, we're going to jump into it. Because what we're talking about tonight is game ownership. Now, back in the day, it was easy. You bought a game and you owned the game. And that was all there was to it. Today, however, that situation is a bit more complicated and has gotten even more complicated with NVIDIA's GeForce Now, which is over simply a streaming service that lets you stream the games you already own on Steam and other platforms and launchers from a cloud desktop that you can log into from anywhere. That seems pretty great, right? That sounds awesome that I don't have to be at my home PC. I can log into this cloud desktop and then I can play all the games that I own on Steam very, very easily. Seems great. The catch is, though, that more and more publishers are pulling their games and not allowing them to be streamed. So, even though you may have purchased the game on Steam and own it on Steam, if you log into Steam through this uh, through GeForce Now, you cannot play some games from some publishers. So, Josh, is this anti-consumer? Uh, did NVIDIA just go about this the wrong way? What's the deal with GeForce Now? How does this relate to, obviously, the next generation um, consoles coming out? And we have all this talk about smart delivery. What are your thoughts? Our game, with things going digitally, is it getting easier or harder to own a game? I'm confused at why publishers care. You're mm-hmm. playing games that you have already bought. You yep. own these games. Yep. What is the reason? Is it because... They're not getting a kickback by NVIDIA. NVIDIA is not making any money off of your games. They're providing you a a service to allow you to play your games, but I don't know how that affects, let's say, I don't know, any studio. Because like Activision Blizzard pulled all of theirs. I think 2K pulled all of theirs. So, yeah, I guess maybe this is my ignorance showing. Like, I don't understand why 
why yeah. is like Activision going, how come NVIDIA gets to get $5 a month so someone can play our game? Well, that's not your problem. You sold your game. You right. don't have a streaming platform. You're not losing any money. Right. So I guess I could play, I don't want to say devil's advocate, but I guess I could say, okay, if I am any company, it doesn't have to be those, because there are some smaller companies who have pulled their games as well, and even some individual publishers who have pulled their games. But let's say you purchased the game on Steam, fine, but let's say that I want to sign an exclusive um, streaming deal for my game with Stadia. Sure. You know, now... Well, I'm supposed to be signing this exclusivity deal of streaming with Stadia, so my our game is only available on Stadia to stream. But now GeForce Now comes in and says, "Well, hey, we can we're not streaming your game per se. We're just letting people access their Steam library this way. So that's totally cool." And then the publisher's like, "Well, no, because it's kind of the same, you know, promise of Stadia. So we don't want our game on that." But you still have to buy their game to use to play it on GeForce, so it shouldn't matter to the company. You still have to own that game. Well, right, but if I, you know, make you buy it on Steam and then make you buy it on Stadia, now you bought the game twice. Yeah, I mean, I guess we're in a world where people buy 14 <laughs> different copies of one game. Thank you, Nintendo. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess I can't relate to them on that because um, if they want you to buy two copies of the game anyways, you would just still buy it on Stadia regardless of being able to play it with NVIDIA. Uh, in my head, if you're if we're playing by mm-hmm. that, you're gonna buy it anyways. Um, I really just don't understand. It makes me real sour on these studios. It really does. Right. And I'm gonna try. It. I didn't even know that GeForce Now was only five bucks a month. Um, and there's there is a free version too. There's a free version and a five dollar a month version. Yeah, for a one hour session. I mean, why not? Tr- I'm gonna try that. Why not? Um, right. Because I would love to play my Steam library at work, at work, <laughs> in bed. <laughs> um, I just, yeah, I can't get behind. So 2K, yeah, 2K, Activision, Bethesda, they all left. I just, yeah. I don't get it. I don't know. It just seems very, cons- uh, it seems very s- selfish and money hungry. But I don't understand, and I don't even get the money hungry part. It's just selfish to me. I get what you're saying. Like, if they wanted mm-hmm. to sign an exclusive deal with Stadia or someone, I get how that could maybe affect it. But why not pull it off of this once you sign that deal, not just to have it off of GeForce Now? And it, and I still don't. I don't know. I don't see the loss. Um, but that doesn't mean that it's not there. I just don't see why why that affects them. In fact, you wouldn't you imagine... It brings, you're out there playing an Activision game on your phone on the bus and someone sees it. Right. They go, what game is that? You tell them and then they go buy it. Like, it just seems like better for the company is not worse. Right. Yeah. And it is interesting because, you know, it's an interesting thing because I I see game makers and, and the people who publish games saying, you know, hey, this is our game, right? we should be able to have some say in how our game is accessed. Sure. Right? And I, and I think that's what is, is going to become, you know, the big the big rub as we continue to move to these always online. We look for cloud streaming. Where we look for all these different, you know, services that are popping up, you know, and the whole joke of the launcher of launchers for PC, yeah. right? That's been <laughs> a joke for a long time. And that's kind of what GeForce Now is, right? It's a launcher of launchers. That's basically what it does. Um 
you know, and I go back and forth because part of me totally understands that if you are a publisher and you had other ideas for how you're going to get your game into cloud gaming, and then GeForce now comes along and says, hey, we're going to do this thing, you know, should they have to go to the game people because really all they're doing is providing access to launchers? You know, like, so to me, it seems a little different, but I also get the aspect of, you know, if I buy a game on xbox that doesn't mean i get the pc version right but is that the same but is that the same thing as what nvidia is doing you know yeah i mean i get it but how come xcloud is so like has hundreds of games that you can play from apex to tomb raider to like these games that they don't own like that that should be the same argument like like all of a sudden you can't play any games on xcloud because every studio said well we we don't want you to play our games this way. You can now only play Microsoft games on xCloud. Right. But, you know, in that case, so maybe, you know, it is then we say, well, it's NVIDIA's job. They should have gone out to these publishers and said, here's what we're doing. Because obviously, like on xCloud, Microsoft worked with publishers to say, we want to offer your games on this service. Yeah. You know, where I could see, though, from NVIDIA's standpoint of like, we're not selling games. At no point can you buy a game from us. We are simply offering you the access to your launchers through the cloud. That is all we're doing. And if you want to pay us a little better money to get better access, we'll do that. But you can't buy games from us. So I could see where they would be like, so why does it matter? Right? Like if I access my Steam account through the cloud, is that different? Is that a different platform than me just accessing my Steam account sitting at my computer? Right. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. You know? (sighs) Yeah, I don't know either. I don't know. Um, because you can, even with the Xbox, you can do cloud or local and you can, I can still play any game, any game in my Xbox library anywhere in my house. Right. Um, so that it's just, this is something we're going to be seeing a lot more as we start going into cloud gaming and streaming. Unfortunately, like you're ultimately what you said is the definitive answer. When we buy a game, we aren't buying the game. We're buying the rights to play the game and the studios right ultimately have say to do whatever they want with whatever mm-hmm. they like with their game because right. it's their intellectual property correct and that will always be the end all be all whether we like it or we don't until right. they get rid of user agreements yep uh we will always have this so uh doesn't mean I have to like it, Kyle. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's always going to be like this, unfortunately. And I would just, I just wish, I just want clarity, right? I mean, I, right. I know it's probably too much to ask, but I would just really like these publishers to tell us why, these studios to tell us why we can't, like, what's your reason? Maybe then I'll be on your side. Um, mm-hmm. You know, give us, like, clarity so I understand. Otherwise... We're just going to sit here guessing and and not knowing what the reason was for them to do it, and and that's more frustrating, I think, to me than than not being able to play those games. It's not knowing why I can't play them. Right. Yeah, and I think the big thing too is you know obviously right now like if you look at something like X Cloud, like it's in beta still, right? Like yeah. X Cloud is still you know working out the kinks, and obviously you know we know that Microsoft has said that um, Game Pass will be available via X Cloud and all that good stuff in the future. But I think, you know, maybe if we can say, okay, uh, a company like Activision or Blizzard maybe isn't seeing this the same as, you know, the beta testing that's going on for xCloud. Because when xCloud comes out, 
you will be able to per- play the games you've purchased on Xbox, and maybe if you subscribe to Game Pass, the games that are on Game Pass, but you're not gonna be able to play the games you bought on PS- PS4. Correct. <laughs> you know, so maybe they're saying that this is kind of the same thing that since, you know, if Steam did a cloud service where you could access Steam's library through Steam, that that would be more akin to what they wouldn't be okay, that they'd be okay with. But with this other company now coming in and say, hey, we're giving you access to Steam, to GOG, to all these other things, um, just in this little thing we're creating without getting any, and granted, it sounds like they've been working with publishers, but this is not their forte, right? NVIDIA is not a game publishing company. They aren't, this isn't the thing they probably know how to do super well. Um, so it sounds like it's kind of been ham-fisted, but this is just seen as, as something different. And it, it is interesting too, because then you look at a company like um, CD Projekt Red, who came out very strongly saying that consumers should only have to buy a game one time and that they're all for smart delivery. And then obviously they oversee and have or own or however it is gog who is you know about no drm and all these other things so there are companies out there who are very uh consumer focused and trying to ensure their that their consumers can get the games how they want to where they want to play them when they want to and on what other platform they want to um but it it, it will be the future is gonna be very interesting uh you know it wasn't too long ago i think just in the last week or two uh phil spencer came out and said that he is planning to have a console under his television for the next 10 years at least. Good. <laughs> uh, so it, it is interesting, though, because I feel like we're getting so many mixed messages. And this isn't specifically about him, uh, but just like, we're oh, the, you know, streaming is the future, but we're going to still have consoles for 10 years. But 8K is going to be awesome, but we care more about frame rate. You know, like all these things seem to be happening where... We're all heading towards the future real, real fast, but none of us really know exactly what it's going to be like when we get there. (laughs) (laughs) So in five years, Josh, do you think that gaming is going to be a physical entity where people are going to be still mostly buying discs, a digital thing where people are mostly buying games digitally, or is this going to be a situation where and buying them digitally and downloading them or is it going to be mostly streaming where people are paying for access to these games and streaming them? So 2025, what is the bulk? What are the bulk of people doing when it comes to their game time? I mean, I ultimately think streaming is in our future. I don't think mm-hmm. in five years in our future, though. Um, you know, we've talked about this a bunch. We're still I can't I can't call my Internet company and get upload speeds higher than 20 megabytes per second because they right. think I don't need it. And I right. can't get, I can't, th- there's no a la carte service for internet, right? They offer mm-hmm. you three different speeds. For me, it's 100 megabits per second, 400, or 937, which is a very weird number. That is a very odd number. And the upload speeds are 10, 20, and 30 megabits per second. Uh, that is not good for our country because I know right. that that's higher for me than some places and that's right. lower for me than some places. And by some places, I just mean random other states across the United States. It doesn't seem that any of it makes any sense as Mm -hmm. to why it's this speed or that speed, why we can't request 200 up, 200 down. And until we're at that point and that it's affordable, well, we're never going to be streaming uh, the way it's meant to be streamed. Right. So I really think in 2025, we're still on consoles. Um, but I think most games will be digital. I don't think, like, I think 2025 is the end of GameStop. 
And I don't right. say that happily. I just mean people are buying less and less pre-owned games. Um, the only games that carry value anymore are Nintendo games anyways. So your trade-in mm-hmm. values are pretty slim unless you're trading a game in within a year. Right. Um, and if I go to GameStop to buy a pre-owned game and it's only $5 cheaper than the new game, I'm still buying the new game. So that's not working either. <laughs> so, yeah, I think five years were like 80% digital gaming, maybe even higher. But I bet we're still on consoles. Yeah. And I bet there's another generation of consoles after that. Yeah. No, I hear you. And I, and I, I think you're probably spot on there as well. Uh, just for... The sake of, of clarity, I pay for a hundred up, a hundred down. Yeah. Uh, so my my packages. Uh, I just ran a speed test on my phone while you were talking, um, and my download was two hundred and seventeen. My upload was two hundred and forty three. Yeah. And I pay for and I pay for a hundred and a hundred, and ping was three milliseconds. So. Well, for for a hundred <laughs> down and ten up, I pay seventy dollars a month. I pay sixty three, and I it was with two wireless routers. Yeah. <laughs> And yay, I have my municipal, own <laughs> Yeah, yay, municipal internet. It's great. <laughs> yeah, it's funny because, like I said, I pay for 100 and uh, I pretty much regularly pull 200, 250. Um, so I, I'm not complaining. Yeah. But, yeah. Anyway, okay, that's it for topic of the show. Uh, Josh, we're going to move on to Well-Rounded Life. Obviously, we are a gaming podcast, but we want to leave you with one recommendation, suggestion, or other thing we're currently into that's helping us live that well-rounded life. Josh, what is your suggestion for all your listeners? All right, mine's a cheat against our typical well-rounded life, but I haven't watched what yours is yet, so that probably would have been mine. Okay. Uh, it's been a long week. So so here's my, my well-rounded life. is it, It's about play some video games, the podcast network, um, which we are a part of. Uh, we just, we, as a as a Podcast Network just had a pretty huge week as far as announcements and future stuff going. Um, so check that out on on Twitter at PSVG. Um, if you're not a Patreon member, we are adding more shows. We have so, mm-hmm. so much content um, on Patreon, including our board with everything show that Kyle and I do. And sometimes we have a guest. Uh, every time we've had a guest so far, but who knows what's going to happen next. Uh, so what I want to do, what I'm going to do is for our listeners now, if, if you don't subscribe to PSVG on Patreon, so you can subscribe for a dollar a month and get access to all of our, our Patreon exclusive stuff that, that, that is going up to $3, uh, soon. But what I want to do is. If you aren't a subscriber, if you send us an email at boardwithvg at gmail.com and you're interested, the first person who sends us an email, I will give you a year of PSVG Patreon. Whoa! On me. So you can't gift Patreon yet. So what we'll either do is I can PayPal or Venmo you the money if you promise to put it towards the patreon or what i can do is create an email account for you it'll be like board bwvg fan one at, at gmail.com and and i'll get right. you a patreon and i'll cover it for the year um even when it goes up to three bucks i'll cover you so you can get all the access to everything we do and i'm only doing this because of how much i believe in what we're doing and how fun and exciting it is um, and we just announced um, 
Kevin and I, after we finish the Fast and Furious podcast, we're going to keep it going with um, uh, dollar movie nights where essentially one uh, one movie a month we're going to do as voted on by Patreon supporters. And we'll have guests on like Kyle and Woo! other people from PSVG where we all watch a movie together essentially and, and recap and talk about it and make fun of it and have fun. Uh, so we have a lot of stuff going on. So once again, if, if you're interested um, and you feel like you'll, you listen to podcasts enough that you'll get enough out of joining our Patreon or just want to be mentioned in the thank yous, the first person to email, email um, to VG at gmail.com. Just put in the subject line, Patreon giveaway, and then tell me why you want to be a part of that and we'll hook you up. That is very awesome and very generous of you. And yeah, PSVG has been really up in the game as far as what they're offering. And I think genuinely for uh, the price of admission, you are getting a ton of content and a ton of good content. So uh, email us, like Josh said, and you're going to get some awesome content uh, for the next year. So that's very generous of you, sir. Uh, My suggestion is generous in a different way. (laughs) <laughs> um, and I am suggesting take a look at check out Ugly Delicious season two on Netflix right now. If you're not familiar, Ugly Delicious is a show um, about food. Obviously, uh, David Chang, who's a uh, restaurateur, um, has uh, oversees the Momofuku group of restaurants. Uh, really comes in season one is kind of all about food and food that isn't necessarily traditionally look the nicest but is pretty good um really tells the history and story of of a lot of food uh season two does a lot of the same thing but they kind of address it from different a different standpoint uh it's very short there's only four episodes in season two oh no Um, so it's yeah so it's very (laughs) very short and the first one is really different than all the other episodes okay um and not in a bad way it just was not something that i was expecting from the show so the first episode is very, very different, but then the next three are more traditional from what the first season was. Uh, I wish it had been longer. It's a show I really like. I think David Chang is really interesting. Um, I know some people, he kind of rubs some people the wrong way. I find him fascinating, though. Um, so if you are into food, it's great. Even if you're not into food, it's really interesting conversations about food, culture, and what we think about when we think about food and um you know, how uh, we consume food and, and and what that does for us and how that impacts us. So Ugly Delicious Season 2 on Netflix now. Josh, what do you say we wrap this show up? What a great idea. Thanks for joining us, everyone. In addition to finding us on Twitter and Instagram at Board with VG, you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Board with VG. So feel free to give us a five-star rating over there. Also, if you want to communicate in the more long form or you're just not feeling social media, please feel free to email us at boardwithvg at gmail.com. We tag all our stuff with hashtag boardwithvg, so use that hashtag, please, and let us know what you're up to on all social medias. And whatever podcast service you're listening to us on, we encourage you to give us a stellar rating. That is whether you're downloading us from the PSVG feed, the Dice Tower Network feed, or our very own standalone board with video games feed you can find me or maybe at urgent care because this finger is swelling up at oh gosh why so serious on playstation network and xbox live that's s-i-r-r-i-u-s kyle where can people find you so you can find me on all the usual places twitter instagram playstation network xbox live board game geek all at psychocross c-y-c-o-c-r-o-s-s 
As always, if you have suggestions for future topics, be sure to reach out to us on the social media because we want to talk about what you want to hear about. And remember, everyone, whether it be board games or video games, never stop gaming.